welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast for Am I Being Unreasonable? Which, in fact, is not a movie. Uh, we'll tell you more about that in a moment. First, I am Tom Chick, and I am here with Kelly Wand, who may or may not have an Am I Being Unreasonable tagline. Yes. <laughs> Kelly Wan, is there a tagline for Am I Being Unreasonable that doesn't spoil it? This is a weird TV show. I think of it, and I recommended it to you as a three-hour movie, but do you have a tagline for it? So that's how doors work. Oh, <laughs> okay, I was thinking of different How's doors, that? but right. Is that too Very spoilery? Good. That is not spoilery. So one of the reasons that... Um, Kelly Wand, are there more taglines, or should we save them? Um, I ask simply because this is a difficult show to talk about without basically ruining it for people who haven't seen it yet. Um, so if you're tuning in, normally right off the bat, we're assuming that you've seen something. Uh, before we spoil Am I Being Unreasonable?, one of the things that I thought Kelly and I should talk about is how do you talk about Am I Being Unreasonable without ruining it for people? Like, how would you describe what this is? Um, mm. So, Kelly, I'm assuming you had um, taglines that would have spoiled elements of the plot, right? Yeah, maybe one. I'd like, in a way, even the genre it. is kind of a spoiler. But I also didn't opsize it. A, because that, like, if Opsize, Opsize would have been a spoiler, and B, um, I just couldn't find an angle to Opsize this material. So how would you present this to someone who hasn't seen it, who you want to see it? What would Um, you, how would you describe this? It's like Succession, but with poor British people. Um, I kind of disagree, because I believe Daisy Mae Cooper's character is pretty well off. Um, Who's that? that? Which one's she? So uh, Nick is... She's definitely doing very well for herself, and there are very subtle elements of classicism in Am I Being Unreasonable. Yeah, but she Uh, acts super lowbrow. Oh, no, very lowbrow, but as far as... Yeah. um, I do like the succession comparison. um, That's my over. So my over... Before we do our over-unders... well, you know, my over is wait, a Charlie... Wait, wait, rating, yeah. rating, rating. Uh, rating? My... Yeah, rating. Oh, rating. <laughs> uh, well, it's a TV show. Um, it's, uh, it's from the BBC, so I don't think it has a rating that translates. Clearly, it would be rated R for coarse language. True. Well, um, I would rate it teen for adult situations involving children... Tinder, some stand-up comedy, laundry mishaps, and an old woman. Very, yeah, very much so. All those things are, are, are present. Yeah. Um, well, so okay, so let, we can just go ahead and, and, and spoil it because I don't, I don't mean to um, belabor the, the point, but it is a show that I think when you start watching it, it presents itself as one thing, and it shifts pretty dramatically, uh, pretty quickly, and I would even argue frequently. Yes, um, all that's true. It's a what's so, going on show. Like you don't know yeah. everything until it's over. 
very good way to put it, a what's going on show. Yeah. Uh, and if I were to have to sort of wrap it up in one sentence, I would call it a three-hour British thriller about two families that run into each other and reveal grim truths. How do you feel about that? Who's the second family? Jen's? Well, Jen and Nick both are their own families, yeah. Yeah. But she's just a chick. That's not a family. A chick and a Well, kid. she has a son. She is uh, a single mother. Uh, there should be a new name for that. There should be a new gender. <laughs> so no, I don't you, know. I'm full of shit. I don't know. Here's the, here's the synopsis, Kelly Wand, from the production ah, yes. company, from there the you BBC. What do you, here's the official BBC line on what people should know about this show before, uh, like, like, spoiler free. Am I being unreasonable? Sees Nick grieving a loss that she can't share with anyone whilst stuck in a depressing marriage. Only her son, Ollie, who she adores, keeps her going. But when Jen arrives in town, her life is lit up with laughter. And through this kindred soul, her dark secret starts to bubble up. Kelly Wand, how do you feel about that? Uh, I kind of zoned out around Bubble Up, but that was yeah. the end, so that's probably... I don't, I don't think studios should be allowed to synopsize their own shows. Well, they're trying not to give stuff away either. Right. But it does, it just it makes it sound like a, a boring melodrama. Yeah, it doesn't like, sound that good sh- from that. And it's definitely not a melodrama. Like, it I, I would sound say... like my kind of show. So that. my over is the Charlie Coffin. Yeah. Yep. So, so my over is the Charlie Kaufman movie, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Right. Because I think that gets closer at what this is. That gets closer to what this is than the sitcom that it seems to promise when you first start watching it. Um, and it's my over because I found both I'm Thinking of Ending Things the Charlie Kaufman movie, and Am I Being Unreasonable, the sitcom, I found both of them, Kelly Wand, deeply disturbing. (laughs) I didn't find the Kaufman one disturbing. Yeah, I've only seen that once. I need to watch it a second time, um, and I'm dreading having to rewatch that. (laughs) Just Jesse Buckley is so... um, and, And also the weird directions that one that one goes and where it ends up yeah. um I, it made me really uncomfortable especially because i really wanted to like the characters um that's and that's mistake. how well that's how i felt about am i being unreasonable um wow. i started watching it and i got very attached to the characters because they're funny they're funny, and I really like them. Uh, the actors are all phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the writing is amazing. But the trick of the show is to reveal, I think, that they're all pretty terrible people. Yes. And I thought that having, having recently come to like these characters, I actually found that rather traumatic hmm. in a weird way. Like, here are these cool people I just met. And they're all uniformly almost irredeemable assholes or wingnuts or liars um, or, or just on these self-destructive paths. Uh, so what began as this sort of charming, funny, lowbrow sitcom ended up being this kind of weirdly existential, despairing um, 
I guess maybe it is kind of a melodrama in a way. But that's okay. Melodrama's got its place. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, also, yep. well, I have a question for you because sure. my over succession and um, people who didn't like, who like checked out of succession really early on always said the same thing to me. And it was always like, well, I had no one to root for, which to me was a fascinating, like, foul. Like to me, like, A, you're like the fly on the wall. Like, I don't really need someone to root for in my, uh, material as long as they're interesting like i don't really care if they're likable or not um but also in succession i would argue that you're rooting for the servants in the background and you're also rooting you can root against characters like that's still valid um, sure sure but i would I, I think the trick though with am i being unreasonable that succession doesn't have is am i being unreasonable deceives you just right. as the characters are right. all liars, yeah. they're all unreliable narrators. Yeah. They all, let me think, is this true? Do they all deceive the audience? Uh, Some Jen's, more directly Jen's than okay. others. <laughs> well, I, I would say, I would argue the four main principles are Nick, Jen, Dan, and Ollie. Um, I, I don't think Harry really figures into it. And even Alex, the, the younger brother who's dead, uh, in a way, I don't think he figures into it he well, he does kind of as well. He could, yeah. yeah, he is kind of a. He's certainly someone who you find out something very different about him than you thought you knew at first. And um, it's an engine. It's the engine for the whole plot. So I right, right, add right. him to your law, your list. Right. Um, but yeah, they also don't act. I mean, they act unsympathetic, but like in a oh, we're just wacky kind of way. Well, and that's so what like, I. Th- I think the faint is F E I N T, where at first you think you're watching something about this lowbrow, well-to-do woman, on par with like absolutely fabulous or something. But then you get to the end of the first episode, and it's clear there's something going on where Nick is not a reliable narrator, where she's having hallucinations. Uh, And then you get to the second episode, which introduces the twist with um, with Jen and her deception. But I would argue it's not until the beginning of the third episode that you really know what you're in for. Yeah. Um, and do you remember what happens there? That's I remember how find- it ends. Well, the beginning of the third episode is where she finds the dead cat. Right. And I think that's where it really tips its hand about how grim everything is going to be. Yeah. Like, that's the first inkling that we're going to completely leave that territory of the lovable, lowbrow, absolutely fabulous, wacky broads, and we're going to go into something much darker, Yeah, I think. Um, also, did so, you see... Oh, go yeah. ahead, yeah. So I, I think when you talk about this to people who haven't seen it, you need to impress upon them you're not going to know what you're watching until the beginning of the third episode. Basically, until you're an hour into it, it will not reveal itself in terms of what you're in for, <laughs> I feel. Well, and then you, yeah, you, the stakes deepen. Uh, did you see the show Beef with Ali Wong yes. and Steve Yeun? I, I did, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting parallel. Go ahead. Interesting parallel. It's like, so the two main characters are basically huge assholes but everyone around them is just like a victim and like a straight man kind of 
Yeah, I, I gave up on beef at the very end. <laughs> like I didn't even finish the last episode. That's how big. That's how much I gave up on uh, beef. That's the only but, good one or the best one. I don't know. You didn't like I, the acting. That wasn't enough for you. I, 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 I Stephen Ewan can do no wrong for me, but I just I in alley lost interest character. in. The, she was okay. I yeah. I just it it lost me at the end. It felt like a long setup for that last episode. Where they're stumbling around in the wilderness. Um, it felt like it jumped the shark with the shootout. Like that's it's now that level of a it's now that kind of a show. Right, right. It's like Barry. You've gone from like Kelly. Am you're I talking being unreasonable about, to Barry? You're talking about American TV. Am I, I being unreasonable? Is British TV that knows better? Yeah, I would say it knows how to end. And then you said it's it's the um. It's like Big Little Lies and Bad Sisters where they kind of resolve it and then it's a hit show so they're just going to keep going although this should probably that should be the end. So actually I meant to look this up. Do you know for sure if there's a second season in store? No, you told me there was. So I told well, I thought I, I know there was talk of one. I, I have no idea how far along it is. I don't know if how it's old just is something the show? Two years Um I think now. 2 years old. Yeah. Oh, and so Daisy May Cooper. So Daisy May Cooper is I think the I, I, so this is a very British show. I had never heard of Celine Hisley, who's one of the two co-creators. Uh, she's the actress who plays Jen. Daisy May Cooper is the actress who plays Nick, and those two women are the co-creators of the show. Oh. Um, I had seen Daisy May Cooper in a British series called Witchfinder, uh, where she plays a witch who was taken prisoner by a hapless. An ineffectual witch finder. It's another BBC comedy, um, and she basically played the same character, but in medieval England. Um, so I'd seen her before, and from Witch Finder, before that, she and her brother had been in a very successful series in the UK called um, Shoot, I wrote the name down. This Country, I think. Um, so she did that series. She did Witch Finder. And now she has done this. I think Kelly won. She's doing very well for herself. And yeah. if she wanted, she could probably do a second season of Am I Being Unreasonable. I, however, deeply hope she does not. Yeah. So why, why? Yeah, go ahead. Well, just because every episode revealed stuff that it was like it was all connected. So for, there to keep, for them to keep going, they would have to sort of embroider something that's already kind of the perfect scale and shape. It'd be and like it does... making a manhole cover out of a dollhouse, Tom. Wow, what's that from? <laughs> oh, I just made it up. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, it, does, on. it, it does feel like the arc of the... Like, it feels like the arc is so specific. Yeah. Bookended between... Yeah, bookended between her fiction of what happened on the train platform and then at the very end, what actually happened on the train platform. Like, I like those as bookends... But do you remember what the very final image is? The memorial? Yeah. And her about to say something. Yep. She goes... So it's like um, a Sopranos ending a little bit. Um, sort of. I mean, it's kind of that thing where it's like ending on a minor note. It's 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 interrupting her. She goes, um... And then it fades to black. cuts to right. black. Yeah. Uh, and she's holding the button. Um, yeah. Which, Which suggests, is, like, we don't know. Maybe we'll be back. Maybe we won't. We'll figure it out if we are. 
I don't even think, all I need to know is that this woman who we met has been placed in front of all the people she has wronged and who have wronged her, and they all have to confront the truth that brought them together. I don't care what happens next in a way. Yeah. All I care about is that they reach this point. <laughs> because in a way too, Kelly Wand, now that I know what I know about them, I am done. They have lied to me. They have deceived me. They are psychos, assholes, and cheaters. I think I'm finished with them. But do you need the catharsis of reaction shots? <laughs> I do not. You do not. I, okay. Because then that would that would suggest I care how they feel. Like yeah. in a way, I feel like I, you guys have traumatized me. I am making a clean break. I'm hanging you know, up on I, you. Well, in a way, sure. But it's not me hanging up on them. I mean, Daisy May Cooper hung up on me first, right? Yeah. She ended the show with, um, bam, cut to black. I'm not hanging up on her. I'm just saying, if that's where you want to end, then I agree. Let's end there. <laughs> that's now, that's how it. I, uh, Go ahead. Yep. That's how a season of Entourage ended. With uh, Vince going um and the cops finding cocaine, and I go, oh cool, he's going to be in prison next season. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to like. And then it turned out he was like post rehab and like already on a new movie and super rich again. I was like, oh. well, my pers- my so perspective felt deprived. On- but my perspective on this, as far as like a season two, though, in a way, like I would be willing to let go of my own high dudgeon about a second season if, and only if, Daisy May Cooper and Celine Hisley feel they have more to say. If they have more to say, I am willing to listen, uh, but I, I maintain that I am skeptical. They have already dismantled their characters. Uh, there's nothing left uh, that I can think of, but... You know, if they want to go on with the second season, by golly, I'll watch it. First you know off, what it reminds me of, Kelly One? You, you brought up uh, Entourage. It reminds me of Fleabag. Because um, I felt the same way after the first season of Fleabag. Is I don't want any more of this. The character had her arc. She was a terrible person. Her secret came out. I know what I need to know. Let's just go our separate ways and call it quits. Yeah. But then she makes a second season. I refused to watch it for many years. But then I watch it, and it's awesome, and I was wrong. So maybe I'll be wrong about this. How many seasons are there? Of what? Fleabag. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, just the, just the two. Just the two. Oh. Yeah. People keep oh, you did not watch it. it. Everyone, everyone's bothering me about it. Yes. Well, the, the thing with Fleabag is Phoebe Waldo-Bridge, not only did she have more to say about the character... But I would argue, perhaps more importantly, she had more to say about the gimmick that drove the show, which namely uh, was that like she could talk directly to the audience. Hmm. Like like the, the director of Fleabag, who also did a very good movie uh, for Lena... Um, Who's the chick? No, the chick from Dunham. Dunham. uh, Called Catherine called Birdie, uh, which used the same conceit of the character speaking directly to the camera. There's a kind of an intimacy there. Um, The second season of Fleabag was remarkable for what it did with that gimmick. Uh, And for that reason, almost alone, I would argue, yes, it was absolutely worth it. 
I just want to circle back and say, yes. lol, for you thinking that I was comparing this show unfavorably to Entourage or anything. Wait. Favorably to Entourage. No, unfavorably to Entourage. Yeah, that's right. I was offended and amused that you think I think Entourage is good. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, I I don't know what. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I don't I I have no opinion on your opinion of Entourage because I don't know it. And I it's, furthermore I, was I don't even American, know Entourage. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's so fucking. Uh, yeah, I only watched it because I thought the characters were gonna die for some reason, but I don't know why I thought that. But I was making so, an American TV versus British TV thing. Not ah oh right right right. Entourage did something similar. Uh, we should discuss. That's not what I meant. Entourage should not be discussed. Okay, what were you well, saying? Well, you're the yeah. one that did it, so take yourself well, to task, Kelly. One. Yeah, but you took me too seriously, <laughs> and I felt really bad, guilty. But. but I do think that it is an interesting. I mean, there are so many things in "Am I Being Unreasonable" that I don't think American TV would do. Yeah. Uh, it just there's so many things that were so idiosyncratically British about this show. Yeah, um, including the and, structure, and it's very it's very much about structure. My under Kelly Wand, do you remember much about Shimmer Lake? The fuck's that? that Shimmer familiar. Lake. It's a movie we did for the podcast. It was on what? Netflix. Uh, it starred the oh shoot, I'm gonna I, I can't Shimmer remember the guy Lake. from The Office who I like, um, who plays. Rain Wilson? Who plays Dwayne. Yeah, Rain Wilson. Uh, it had Rain Wilson. Oh, my God. Who else was in Shimmer Lake? I can't remember. It was basically a murder mystery set in a small town where you find out new things about the characters over the course of the movie. And it's very intricately plotted in terms of showing you different things at different times when you have incomplete information. And Am I Being Unreasonable does something very similar. Uh, I love both of them. I just slightly oh, preferred Am I Being Unreasonable. Who else is in it? Uh, you, you'll have to tell me. Uh, the, the lead was somebody like... Um, Wyatt Russell. Like, like Ron Livingston or someone. Benjamin Wyatt Russell. Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wyatt Russell, that sounds right. God, I don't remember this at all. Was there, there was an opsis of this? I mean... There had to have been. Weird. Maybe it was just something that Dingus and I had in our top ten that you never saw. It might have been something like that. But I know Dingus really liked it. Um, but at the point being, the plotting in Am I Being Unreasonable is very intricate in terms of showing you certain things specifically to confuse you. Like specifically because you don't have complete information. And what it will do is then back up and show you that same thing again when you do have the, the correct information. Uh, like the conversation, so, huh, Tom? There is some of that. Conversation, though, I feel, well, you know what? That's a fair point. Because conversation also has elements of an unreliable narrator changing the past. Like remembering yeah. flashbacks differently. And that's very much what drives, am I being unreasonable? Yeah. My under is Yellow Jackets, which I broke up really hard with at the end of season two. So I don't know. Okay, so tell me about it because I don't know Yellow Jackets. Um, uh, what's the comparison? Show. Oh God, I don't want to. This is this is Entourage again. Entourage is like a dumb guilty pleasure kind of show about a bunch of chicks 
high school girls who are in a soccer team and they're really good soccer players. Yeah, and then they're right. playing clashes. Entourage, but right, right, right. And they have to eat each other, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was just saying I feel embarrassed talking about this as I did about Entourage. That was the, <laughs> that was the Entourage link. But, um, but then there's also like, those are the flashbacks from the night from the nineties and then Juliet Lewis and uh, what's her name? I, I know that? enough about it. I know what it is. Yeah. But anyway, it's just so dumb. And it, there's like a, there and uh, wait, what's her name? Christina Ricci's in it. She's really good. And she looks super hot with her terrible haircut. But anyway, um, no, it's just terrible plot development. It's terrible writing, just really shitty writing. And you can tell they have no idea where it's going, like in a lost way. And, um, and that's what I didn't feel from, am I being unreasonable? Like it was always, I never doubted that they knew the destination. Like as crazy also, as it got ever. It's also why I don't think of this as TV, Kelly One. It's why I do think of this as a three hour movie rather than a, a six episode miniseries. Um, but it feels like a TV show. Like it has the, those rhythms. The dialogue has TV rhythms. Um. Okay. Okay. Um, grant you that it's certainly intimate and that's why i'm willing to call it a melodrama ultimately uh and it's very much about the character's feelings and in their own uh subjective experiences let, let's but, talk about the end of, oh go ahead well i'm just glad i binged it because i think watching half an hour a week would have lessened its impact so yeah i saw it as a three-hour movie too well and another reason i would call it a three-hour movie is unlike a tv show i don't think there's any filler here I mean, even no, the ancillary characters like Lucy or Gavin, who is Jen's manager at the grocery store, I mean, even those sort of side gag characters are, I think, pretty richly realized. And, like, the weird places it goes with Lucy, with that character, I think that actress was just really funny, and it was worth yeah. taking the time to let her do her bits. Um, and I thought Daisy May Cooper, by the way, just structurally, the show was very generous with some of those ancillary characters um, without feeling like filler, I thought. Lucy doesn't deserve to die, actually. She's the only character. Lucy is a weird arc because yeah. they present her at first as this oblivious um, character who just wants nothing to do with them. Cavalier. But by the time it's over, she's following them around and she's craving their approval. Um, I was a little bit... Like it seemed implausible. Bit... <laughs> so here, Kelly Wand, is something I want to float and see what you think. Yeah. Um, how much of what we know about these characters can we trust, given how unreliable the narrator is? Is Nick lying to us about Lucy as well as about Alex, for instance? Well... It's possible because then when she likes Lucy, Lucy does seem more likable. So, um, but I mean, Lucy doesn't give her the ride in the car. Now we're just seeing, I feel like I'm spoiling things by talking about. Oh, we're details. deep into spoiler territory. We've given up on that? Okay. <laughs> oh my um, God. Yeah. I, well, I don't know why she didn't like Lucy before that because she seems to like her pretty quickly into the series. Like, yeah. And, and Lucy doesn't really change her personality. She's just kind of like oblivious. Here's why I ask. Why does... She has... Well, no, so let's look at then 
we know why Nick has two different narratives about what happened on the train platform. Because yeah. basically, in a way, this is a movie about, this is a show, this is a story about characters who basically rewrite their own narratives to either protect themselves from trauma or to cover up trauma they've inflicted. Right. It's basically trauma rewriting history, right. I think is the theme of this show. Yeah. So we have the train platform where, in the beginning, where it looks like it's out of some ridiculously twee, cloying romantic comedy with yeah. the snow in their hair and the dialogue, which she's stolen from those ghosts. Um, like that right there is obviously never happened. It's something that Nick invented that exists in her head right. that she stole from the ghosts. And that's why they say to her, you have something that belongs to us. Is she took their story and she made it about her and Alex. However, at the very end, we get a different story where Alex very cruelly is breaking up with her. Can we trust either of those? No, because it would also happen really suddenly, too. Like, why is he suddenly being pointlessly cruel to her on this train platform? Exactly. When, like, yep. the, earlier in the day, he was like, oh, yeah, JK, JK. And, so, and, yeah. and, that, and, and that's why I wonder, can we even trust what Nick shows us about Lucy? I mean, I don't think either of those train platform scenes is the whole truth in a way. Like, I think the narrative we see at the beginning, the one out of a romantic comedy, is the one that she has constructed to nourish her, her day-to-day life. But the one that she reveals that keeps traumatizing her, that keeps breaking into her life, I don't think is necessarily any more like, directly... Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. Uh, I think... The point of this story is that trauma damaged her so badly that, you know, she doesn't know what actually happened. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, and I think that's true of all these characters. You know, with Jen, the show doesn't even tell us what Jen's fiction is right. about Becca. We just know she's obviously constructed some false narrative around Becca, and Becca's trying to get out of it, and Jen refuses to let go of that narrative. Um, even when this competing issue with, with Nick comes up, she runs back to that fake narrative she made with Becca. Um, like these fake narratives have such sway over the characters that they've lost sight of what actually happened, I think. I think there something that I think is a little unfair is <clears throat> about the some of the payoffs is the ghosts... Uh-huh. Um, would have been quizzed by the cops or something after that incident happened, and that would have had an impact on Nick's life. Like, they would have been grilled as witnesses to that. Like, oh, what happened? And then and then what happened to those characters in RL? I get what they represent to her, but... Now, it does seems that... implausible that they wouldn't have been... Sure. Does that is that a flaw for you? Like, does that detract from your enjoyment? Not if they're not real. 
Oh, what do you mean not real? Like, uh, like oh, they're I actual ghosts, and she imagined them entirely, and she imagined, like, she saw them on the platform, and maybe they didn't get on, or they were in another car, but they didn't even see what she did. Like, she imagined that part, and that's... Well, if you recall, in one of the fictional narratives, she has erased them from the car. Like, she, she right. goes to let Alec... Like, she, she turns to say, he's okay, and she sees the, the chairs are empty, and she turns to Alex hanging on the outside of the train car, and she says to him, there's no one here. Um, so that's certainly possible. But, but yeah, that's we a don't part hear, of rewriting... Yeah, well, go ahead. Well, we don't know anything about, like, a police inquest. All no. we know is that she has not shared with Suze, who is Alex's girlfriend, or with her husband, Dan, uh, the specifics of what happened. Right. At a certain point, Dan, you know, she finds him drinking alone in the dining room, and he says, you know, you've never told me what happened. And she says, all you need to know is it was quick. So presumably, whatever inquest there was into his death pretty much accepted without digging too deeply that it was just a freak accident. I mean, that well, seems to be the implication. Well, and the cops could have been incompetent, and the kids could have just gotten off at the next stop. Right, right, like, exactly. Or yeah. even then, like, I don't want to, we don't want to be a part of this. Like, a lot of things could have happened. Yeah. But, um, but it did weigh on me a little bit. <laughs> like, um, so I want to talk about then, so uh, Daisy Mae Cooper was just amazing. She's hilarious in Witchfinder, which I, I do recommend also. Um, uh, uh, I was going to say Jen has Hisley, but it's Celine Hisley. She's also great. But the one who stood out for me, Kelly Wand, I mean, this kid oh, just yeah, yeah, was yeah, astonishing yeah. to me. Uh, a 14-year-old boy named Lenny Rush, yeah. who actually has dwarfism, of course. Yeah. Uh, he played Ollie. Yeah. Uh, and my God, Kelly Wand, His that comic was timing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. his sense of timing was very good. And also, I didn't believe him when he was crying over the cat. So that's how good an actor he is. Well, just the subtext and the layers that that kid as an actor is able to pull off. And my God, his face is so expressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. And he's just got... Kelly Wands, you know what I thought of? So I've seen this a few times. Um when, when I was watching it, just rubbing through some of the scenes today before we recorded, it, it occurred to me, he is a dead ringer for an Edward Gorey drawing. <laughs> <laughs> like his little round face and those eyes and that little round mouth. Like, like what I Pugsley just... would have been in the original draft of the Adam right. family. Well, not even Pugsley, but just Same. the Edward Gorey, the way Edward Gorey would draw his little British children. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. look exactly like Lenny Rush. Um, mm. It's just, but that, so here's, here's what I thought about Kelly Wand. Um, as an actor, Lenny Rush, not only his comic timing, but his ability to connect with the adult actors um, and to just respond and have dialogue and riff with them was astonishing, I thought. Um, I mean, you don't see many kid actors who can rise to that level with adults. Um, that was I, the... Oh, go ahead. Well, no, well, yeah, go... Well, the other thing is, like, he's so good and he seemed so put together that I felt like it undermined the plausibility of him requiring that destructive a catharsis from seeing what he saw. Like, I thought it that just made it... 
Well, go ahead. What? Well, I'm sorry, I, I hear what you're saying, but Kelly One, for me, it was the exact opposite. I thought just because he seemed like such a well-adjusted kid, yeah. it was just that much more devastating to find out what he's doing. Because um, that is not what a well-adjusted kid does. That right. is just straight-up sociopathic behavior. Um, no, I'm talking about his, like... V- yeah, yeah, I know it is, and also, but his also his his expression when he sees it, it's like, wait, that's that's not that same kid. He's wait, his expression when I, I'm sorry, you lost me there. When he sees uh, him in the closet. Oh, when he sees the uh, when he, he sees seems what, his mother and shocked right, and devastated, right. like a normal kid would be. Right. Yep. Um, yep. This is where oh. Dingus. Had, but what he does, though, how he responds is not how a normal – like, his response right, is clearly right. driven. It's clearly an indication that if this was a normal kid, it is now a deeply damaged normal kid. Yeah. Uh, so now which, he's like American Psycho which, level. No, well, now he's like Nick. Now he's like Jen. Now yeah. he's like Dan. Yeah. He is a deeply damaged person who is going to cause pain and trauma and suffering yeah. in other in other beings and other creatures um so An evil dwarf. Here's, here's here's the thought well here's the thought <laughs> i had about him and so lenny rush as an actor uh this is a obviously this boy grew up with dwarfism and presumably had to interact with caretakers and i don't i sounds dumb but i don't know if he was able to play with other kids his own age I don't know. I, I just have this weird sinking kind of dread that this actor's ability to connect with adults has to do with him being deprived of his childhood because of his mm. dwarfism. Uh, and that makes me sad for him. But I'm just. <laughs> I'm I think you should think Whiplash, Tom, and like. It. it it built up his character. It was what it, it it was what it was, and like he couldn't avoid it, and like it yielded great art. And like, well, it, here here's know. how, and that's just me thinking about but, Lenny um, Rush as a person. Right. But here is what I really appreciate about his dwarfism, and am I being unreasonable? And that is the fact that it was never once called out as anything yeah. that, and that the one time it was called out. It's used to play a cruel joke on uh, Lucy when she makes the comment about 20% of the proceeds will go to Ollie. And Nick plays dumb. She's like, wait, why? Why yeah. does Ollie need to? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that that's good. the only thing that is ever said about Ollie's dwarfism. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's more about Lucy, that, co- that dialogue. And it's, yeah, it's just about playing a joke it's on It's a reflection Lucy. on exactly. her. Yeah. But you know what it reminded me of? It made me think of an actor named R.J. Mitt. Do you okay. know who that is by any chance? Because uh, you actually do know who it is. You just might not know his name. Is he the cigarette uh, lighter from Freaks? <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying now. <laughs> Let's start uh, all over. Entourage, Tom, was a show about uh, Vince... What's his name? Can't help you with Entourage. Adrian Greenberg is all, or Grenier or whatever his name is. No, no. so RJ Mitt, you actually do know who he is because he plays uh, Walter White's son on Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and he's a young man who has cerebral palsy who was cast in Breaking Bad. Uh, I think early in the show. They told him to play like, it up. Right, and the idea is that That's it's playing up Walter White's need to care for his, his family. Yeah. 
But I think as that show went on, the fact of his palsy fell into the background. It was eventually ignored. And now you see, you see R.J. Mitt in movies where they don't even bring up that he has cerebral palsy. And I yeah. love that, Kelly Wand. I love that a young man with cerebral palsy can become an actor and get roles that are not written for people with cerebral palsy. Well, yeah. And I'm delighted that in Lenny Rush's future, I hope the same thing happens for him. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's the world I want to live in. That's the world I thought we were heading towards. And now it's like, uh, uh, we, we, we got to talk recent... about it. It's like, we have an election coming up. Talk we can about do it. things. Oh, God. Kelly Wand, were there any Britishisms that confused you? Anything in Am I Being Unreasonable that you didn't understand that maybe I can help you with? There were a couple. Um, you've saw, you, I think you saw it one more time than I did, but there were like a couple references to celebrities that I didn't know the names of. Right, right. Like Vince Hawkins or something, or like a chef. There's like, like you can tell the joke from the context and you go, oh, cool, I learned who Vince Hawkins is, the British chef. The one for me is there's apparently someone very dirty in the UK named Tracy Beaker. (laughs) Wait, what's the line? Uh, You sound or you sound like or it's when Jen is all dirty because she's come back from Becca's where she threw the the thing in the greenhouse. Right. Uh, And Nick says to her, uh, uh, you look like Tracy Beaker because she's got dirt all over her. So she's a... Let's try and guess what Tracy Beaker is from that. I actually Google it. It's from some TV show about wait, a wait, country wait, wait. bumpkin. Oh, sorry. Oh, just... <laughs> okay, that's what it is? Just Here's one. Bumpkin. Here's one. You threw like Mr. Burns. It's on the platform when the uh, ghost throws a, a snowball. Uh, they're throwing snowballs at each other, and the male yeah, ghost yeah, says to the female that. ghost, you threw like Mr. Burns. And that's not a Simpsons reference? Oh, it's Sim- I, I don't know The Simpsons. I thought that was a British thing. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Listen, Pippin Longstocking was on the show called Entourage. <laughs> she dated E and then Turtle and then uh, Here's the other Johnny one. Drama. When they're ordering a pizza, they order it with no tomatoes. Ugh. What? What the heck is Let's that Let's call about? the whole thing off, Tom. Right? Here's another one. Do they you really sound... say that? Do they say tomato over there? Well, what alarmed me is why would you order, why that. would you have tomato on a pizza? I don't care how you say the name of the fruit. It's just why, it's in the sauce. Why would you have it on the pizza itself? I, that's ad, They have that at CPK and stuff. You have like uh, sun-dried tomatoes on it. Makes no sense to me. Here's another one. They you had sound... corn on their pizza in Germany. Talk about fucking weird. That's weird, yeah. That is you weird. sound like a contestant on Love Island. Well, no idea what that is. See, that that might not be a Britishism. Dude, that, we don't know the names of any of those shows. You know True. what I'm proud to announce? I don't even know people who watch those. And I know a lot of women. I mean, not very well. And not, not on good terms. But they don't watch those shows, which makes them true pals. Kelly Wand, Love do Island. we know? Yeah, no, what about a hedgehog hunt? What was that all about? Um, yeah, what it did seemed they like do a, with them? Well, it seemed like a town event. It seemed like Easter. They also invented fox hunt. Fucking scum. It's fucking British. That's a sport. Ugh. Here's another one, Kelly Wand. This one... Evil. Uh, I hesitate to bring this up. At one point, 
she is typing into an advice, an online advice thing. Does anyone think their husband is so ick that their fanny dries up? Yeah, I, I understood all that. And it's so, I hate this fucking thing where people just talk to strangers like that. And I hate the term the ick. That's my least favorite Gen Z term. I fucking despise <laughs> it. I hate cringe. I hate not gonna lie. I like other ones. I like soy boy. That's a good one. I don't know any of these Kelly ones, so yeah. You don't know. You haven't heard them go not gonna lie, and it's like they just say whatever they're gonna say anyway. That makes me insane. That one yeah, I, I just like. I that. Oh, fuck. But uh, cringe no. and ick and wait, there's one other one. Well, for me, the discovery there was Fanny. Like you know, Fanny is not. A yeah, it's pussy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Language Kelly wand. Oh, oh my god. Because fanny pack. No, there's a joke on The Office about it. That's how I know it. It's from The Office. Fanny pack. Not <laughs> your gonna... minge. Right, right, right. The British office, not the American one. Yeah, I was yeah, going to bring that up. Say. If it hadn't been for that, I would not have understood that that little bit in Am I Being Unreasonable. Yeah. I've learned that because of The Office. Yep, yep. I Very like it. It's, um, I like that that's their name for it. Uh, did you watch this more than once? No, because I just saw it. So I would have okay. been like watching it exactly right after i just seen it so i didn't watch it again but i remember it pretty well i thought i just said there were some things that i noticed the second time like for instance uh you know dan has his tinder dates that he goes on yeah do you know who the woman is that he shows to alex like at one point he's like oh look at this this is what my dick is going to be in later when he's there, when it's very clear that he's a serial tinder user do you, do you know who the girl is that he shows to Alex? He's sitting on the couch, right? Yep, they're sitting on the couch, and he says, check this out, and he shows this series of shots, these sort of sexy glamour selfies that one chick has sent to him. Did you recognize the girl? Um, I remember the scene. That's not the thing that I'm going <clears throat> silent over. I'm trying to guess who it was, even though I probably don't know. Do you remember the scene? I'm trying to remember where- if I remembered when it happened. Well, here, here, this will help you. Do you remember the scene where Nick goes to the wine shop and those two girls are there texting each other? And yeah. one of the girls, and they're talking about Dean. And what they did kind Dean of, they say? diss him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the girls says, if Dean say? doesn't get back to me, I'm going to fuck that married guy. Right. That's her. Those right. are her pictures that you later see Dan scrolling through, showing off to Alex. <laughs> is the girl from the wine shop. Uh, I just love noticing that detail the second time I watched. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so great. just little things like that. Uh, it's all connected, Tom. It's like the MCU. It is. the uh, Yeah, the unreasonable cinematic universe. I have a question. Would it have, what, how would it have affected the plot, in your opinion, or the uh-huh. effect? Yes. If they'd used a dog instead of a cat for Ollie's. Wow, that's an excellent question, Kelly Wand. So I have a similar... uh, You didn't watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but there's a similar situation with a pet death there. And I feel that when you use a cat versus a Mm -hmm. dog... Mm -hmm. Man, that's... Like, because John John Wick is a dog, of course. Right. I don't think John Wick... But look what happens. (laughs) What if it had been a cat and John Wick? Right, 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 right. I would have gone John Wick. I'm a cat. Oh, I like no, I would have too, but I think the average moviegoer, 
Like, I don't think dog people understand cat people right. the way cat people understand dog people. Yeah, I agree. Like, That's dog people said. think they're special or unique, and they're not. They just feel the way about dogs that we feel about cats. And dogs. Um, I like dogs, too. I like dogs, too, but I'm definitely a cat person, as are you. Yeah. Um, and also, I hate how their cat deaths are, they're like fucking cop-outs, because they don't use dogs. Because if a cat dies horribly in a movie, see what happens. It's either it's supposed to be funny, like arachnophobia, or instructive, like in this movie, or in uh, mm. the Shield. He became a serial killer. Like it's always like the cat represents something instead of just being this living being that died. Problem child. Oh, it's so funny when you. I don't. I, so Kelly Wand, my theory. You, you know that um, Wes Anderson loves killing dogs, right? Yeah. I think that that's... He loves beca- dogs because I love dogs. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. I think Wes Anderson is a dog person. Right. If he'd been a cat person, I, I think the death of a pet... And I think, by the way, this is a very intentional part of Am I Being Unreasonable? Um, you know, human beings bond with pets for a number of reasons. But I think one of the main reasons that we bond with pets... I actually think one of the main reasons that we bond with pets is pets have something that human beings don't. Actually, two things I'm going to say. Our relationships with pets have two things that our relationships with human beings can never give us. One of them is unconditionality. Yeah. A pet doesn't care what we do. It still loves us and depends us. (laughs) You say that, but I remember you having me read Hellhound, that book, which is told from the dog's perspective, yeah. where the dog is like, why do human beings keep washing those wonderful smells away in favor of that gross soap? Right. <laughs> Good point, Tom. But anyway, my point being, with pets, our relationships with pets are founded on that unconditional, you know, no matter what. Yes. Even if you abuse a pet, the pet comes thinking back because it has no choice. So... Whatever you want in a partner, something to beat, something to love, something to adore, something to just keep you company, a pet will do that for you. Yeah. It will not place conditions on the relationship. Yeah. So that's one thing. And the second thing is, for the most part, pets don't change. Like a yeah. person can grow away from you yeah. and fall out of love with you or maybe even not like you anymore. Yeah. That won't happen with a pet. Yeah, a pet will not betray you like that. Right. So I they're feel better that, than us. That people fix, and I think that people just without even being aware of these form these factors form really strong relationships with pets. Of course. Yeah. Now, stupid people. I think therefore, those things being said, when a pet dies, can be a uniquely painful situation. So yeah, it's worse. when Wes Anderson tells stories, whether it's Royal Tenenbaums or um, Moonrise Kingdom or what's the one with the Buckley? Was Buckley a good dog? Who can? T- oh, that was Moonrise Kingdom or Moonrise Kingdom. You know, when Wes Anderson kills a dog, I think it's because he's wanting to invoke that uniquely powerful moment in someone's life where a pet dies right. and suddenly that it's unconditional, easy... unchanging relationship is just taken away from you. Yeah, go ahead. I cut you off. It's an easy... 
Well, I was going to say it's an easy cry, but I, it's also an essential rite of passage of life. That um... It's an easy appeal to the human condition. Right. Yeah. And it's universal. Kelly Wand, one of my favorite movies yeah. from the last five years is an Iranian movie called Hit the Road. Hmm. And the director of Hit the Road uh, invokes the death of a dog. I mean, it's a prominent part of the movie, every bit as much as it's a prominent part of Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, and I just love how universal that is. Yeah, yeah. So that's part two of what's uniquely grim about Am I Being Unreasonable, is what it does to this fixture in the human condition, namely pets, that unconditional love and that unchanging relationship until the right. dies. What happens like, to unconditional love in this universe with these people? Exactly, where a child is so damaged that yeah. he, out of, I don't know, misplaced fury, murders it. Um, yeah, like, I don't know what all they thought was going to happen. I don't know why he thinks he can hide it in a drawer like that. Um, it's, just, it's just grim, grim stuff. Right. Yeah, why did he hide it in the drawer? That was going to be one of my uh, tags for the end, you bastard. Now I have to think of something else to say. Like, well, oh, oh, even also, Kelly Wand, I'm thinking now of the end of the rover. Like, you go through yeah. all of that post-apocalyptic yeah. trauma in the rover, and sure enough, it was about the death of a pet. Yeah. Yeah, and that was really affecting. That yeah. was a great ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's an easy, great ending. Universal, yep. like you're saying. But, um, All right, Kelly Wan, so we have done British TV. Uh, what should we do next? Is this the third show we've done? We did oh, more Chernobyl now, so. and True Detective. And I did oh, Optimus wow. for those. Can you believe it? How fucking young was I? I guess, so, it, yeah. like That's, that's three, at least three TV shows we've done. Yep. I remember the Chernobyl one being kind of good. I think the True Detective one sucks. <laughs> That idea, man, I, I might just be talking about the Opsis. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was rough. And it was By when way, I was working. I, well, go on. Should I watch the latest season of True Detective? I haven't started it. I'm not, you know what? I don't think I like True Detective. I don't think I do either. I started it and I think it's bad. I'm worried. I, I, I liked season one till I didn't, except for Lily Simmons. She was she was a standout for me, and also Alexander Daddario. I like oh, the yeah. lady characters. <laughs> and then in the second season, it, that fucking sucked ass. And then I just didn't watch the Maharsh Lily one, and then I didn't watch the new one. I just I love the the woman Callie Race, who's opposite Jodie Foster. And you know about my you know I love Jodie Foster and Nyad so. For those two reasons, I wanted to watch it. But, well, Kelly, one, let's do something else next week. Let's do a movie that I know I like because it was on my top ten. You had not seen it when we did our top ten podcast. So, Kelly, one, what should the listeners watch in the next week? Watch the show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the TV show. The TV show known as the movie known as um, They Clone Tyrone. And we will be Should back be in a week. One. Yeah, yeah. the podcast for that. So I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Kelly Wand. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you in a week. Get back, honk a cat, better get back to the woods. Well, I quit those days and my redneck ways. And I... mm-hmm. Oh, change is gonna do me good. Am I being unreasonable? 
Best explosive diarrhea since Nomadland. Oh, God, God, no, God. <laughs> I had to fast forward past that when I, on both really? times. Really? It's I, just I, sound. Yeah. I, no oh, God, visual. no, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> diarrhea triggers you? I can't, yeah. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Adrian Balboa also had Lord Farquaad haircut. 